What's up, Warriors? Guy Beverage here with Protectors Toolkit, Christian Safety and Security Made Simple. I'm so glad you're joining us here tonight. What an amazing presentation we're going to have for you tonight. Listen, I've got a couple people on here tonight that are just absolutely amazing at what they do, and they're amazing friends of mine. They've been friends uh, of mine for probably over 20 years, if I really had to put a, a number on it. And we're going to get into that pretty quick, but I want you to let—I want to let you know what we're all about here at Protectors Toolkit. So let's start with the Bible verse, Proverbs 18:15, and it says this: "An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge." And that is really a description of what we are here about at Protectors Toolkit. For you protectors, for you warriors, for you ones that stay on the wall at your church, making sure that a safe and secure worship environment can be had by all, we salute you. We are so happy to have you joining us tonight. Carson, I see you out there uh, joining us. If you're just joining us tonight, I want I want you to put in the comments where you're joining us from and give us a wave or something like that. In the easy to read version of the Bible in Proverbs 18, 15, it says it this way, wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And that's very, very true. We, as wise people, we as who are standing there on our church wall saying, hey, I'm not gonna let evil impact this church. I'm gonna be impactful in the church safety and security ministry. We're desiring to learn more, and that's what Protectors Toolkit is for you. And as much as it is for you, you are for us. Everything that you feed back to us, we try to bring that out to the public as much as possible. So also, I want to just remind you, feed out to us uh, what you need from us. What are you looking for as, as far as training? What do you need at your church? Tell us the specifics, and we build training around anything that you need at your church. Because if you need it at your church, there's another church in the nation, or probably 100 churches in the nation who need the same training. So whether it's de-escalation training uh, or it's recognizing uh, the wolf before they show up at your doorstep, anything like that, please let us know here at Protectors Toolkit. And always don't forget about the membership site. Navigate over to there and get into the membership site. So why are we having this training tonight? The training is going to be on developing an outreach ministry for your law enforcement officers and your first responders in your community. Now, I think if you're joining us here, Caleb, uh, Ray Coates, I see you out there, brother. Thank you for joining us. If you're joining us here, I think you already know why you should uh, develop an outreach ministry for those first responders in your community. But if you don't, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to tell you how to start it. And then I'm going to give you four rules or four things that I consider absolute as a must for getting this done in the right way at your church. You know, the modern Christian culture, I'll just tell you this quite frankly, folks, the, the modern Christian culture anymore, we're seeing this more and more in some churches, recognize the, uh, they fail to recognize the beneficial role of law enforcement in our society. Uh, and instead they see us as a necessary evil. And I say us, because if you didn't know this, I am an active law enforcement officer here in the United States of Texas. And the people that are joining me here tonight are also uh, former or current law enforcement officers as well. But also the modern Christian culture things right here were tools. They see the police officers, the law enforcement officers, as tools of oppression sometimes. Now, I'm not going to say which churches do this, but I see this more and more, and I hear this more and more. And I think you out there 
feel this more and more and you hear about this in the news more and more. Jim, I see you from Woodstock, Georgia. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Therefore, the, the modern Christian culture sees the oppressed classes as victims. They see everything that we're doing as victimizing somebody. Um, and consequently, the law enforcement community, we've been pushed off to the side. Churches send visitors and food items into prisons all the time. They have ministries in prisons, adult detention centers at all the major holidays are always fed. So they are Bible study volunteers in almost every place there is a prison or a jail. So what does the law enforcement community see? We see that the jail, the prison ministries, and everybody else that you are saying we are oppressing is more important than we are in society. And I think if you know anything about the book of Romans, you know how important the rule of law is and how important the enforcers of the rule of law are uh, uh, for Christians. Law enforcement, we know this. We see it. We see what's going on out there in our churches. And sometimes we're a little bit hesitant to get into our churches. We're a little bit hesitant to go to our churches. Maybe we've been churched in the past. Maybe growing up we've been churched, but we don't know what the modern church is like anymore because we're seeing more and more that we're marginalized. We're pushed to the side or we're thought of as evil oppressors sometimes in some of our communities. So we understand that. We see it every day and we hear about it on the street. But um, we are the law enforcement people in your community are ministers of God's justice here on earth. They're appointed by him, by God, to bear the sword with purpose. So we are tools in God's hands to quell evil. And the modern Christian church often overlooks us or worse, maligns us as enemies. And I think that's why you understand, you all watching Protectors Toolkit and watching this video, you understand the need for a ministry or an outreach program for law enforcement and first responders in your community. One of the other reasons is because we see all this and we're forced to live in this lifestyle that we're living in right now, uh, no matter what city you're, you're in as a law enforcement officer, you feel this pressure. You see it day in and day out on all the social media. You see it on all the videos. You see it on all the, um, the Facebooks, the Twitters, and you see it in the news cycle. So we feel this and what we do, we suffer in silence a lot of times. Um, we see things in law enforcement that most of you will never see. Quite frankly, that's a good thing. Moreover, the things that, that weigh on us and, and wound them in ways you'll never understand, you'll ne it'll be hard for you as a layperson or a civilian to understand the tickings and the workings of a law enforcement officer, especially if you've done this for more than a year, the things that we take in. We see the absolute worst of society. We take it in and we get to deal with that on a daily basis, day in and day out. We put it in our backpack. We put it in our brain. And a lot of times we're finding out now that that's hurting us uh, more than we ever thought possible. Understand this. I want to share this number with you. And this should shock you. This should shock your conscience right here. And in 2019, 228 American police officers died by suicide. 228 American police officers died by suicide in 2019. And the numbers are going up in 2020. They're already surpassing that. By comparison, 132 police officers were killed in the line of duty that same year. Now that number is going to double this year because of COVID deaths, deaths too. But that number is overshadowed by the number of suicides we have in this profession because we do carry that baggage with us everywhere we go and everything we do. So now that I've set the stage for that, understanding why we're having to talk about how to set up an outreach ministry for your law enforcement officers and your first responders in your community, I want to take the time right now to introduce two of my absolute favorite people in the whole world, Kathy and, uh, and Javier Bustos from that peer support couple, the dynamic duo. I've known these, 
I've known these people uh, uh, for a long, long time. I've known Kathy for over 20 years. She was my first female sergeant when I was just a wet behind the ears rookie. And uh, she could, oh my gosh, she could, I don't know who's running the camera back there, but that's not a big screen right there. That is Kathy with the sergeant stripes on right there. And that is me all the way over to the left-hand side of your screen. Look at that guy. What? Uh, well, the haircut's the same. I still can wear the same hair that I wore yeah. 20 years ago. So that's awesome. Um, she had the- We still look young. We still look yeah, as right. young as in Yeah, that. right. I, I drink the tears of my enemies. That's what it is. <laughs> Kathy had the misfortune of having me assigned to her night shift. She was going along great in her career until I came along and entered into her shift. And if she wants to share any stories about that, she's more than welcome to. And then not long after that, I met Javier Bustos. Now I'm just gonna tell you, Kathy shared with me uh, that when Javier back in those days had a cowboy hat on, he closely resembled Garth Brooks. And I'm really <laughs> thinking that's why she got with him. <laughs> and you did say that back then. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I don't know if Javier can sing, but I do also know I've never seen Batman and Javier in the same room at the same time. So that's if you true. go back, and watch any of the peer support couple videos, I encourage you to do that. You may see a cameo from Batman on some of their videos. So guys, welcome. Uh, I wanna turn it over to you guys because I, I do a ton of talking. So I wanna turn it over to you, Javier or Kathy, whoever wants to start. Tell us what you're doing now and, and uh, what's going on in your lives. Well, first of all, we just wanna thank you for having us on your show. What you do in teaching the people who protect the churches is a, an awesome thing. And also the people out there that are protecting the churches. I don't think people uh, understand the importance of that. We were recently at a conference where uh, Chief Christy Hernandez from Grand Prairie P PD talked about how she was rescued in a church shooting, but how the two people next to her died, sadly perished in, in gunfire. And uh, that emphasized the importance of what what y'all do. So I just want to thank you for that. I echo the same sentiments. Thank you, Guy. And thank you for everybody out there that does the protection of our holy ground out there. It's very important. Y'all are paladins and it's much appreciated because basically people know that when they're going to go to a service that they know they're going to be able to worship in peace. And that's important because the way the world is right now, we just don't know when the devil's going to rear his head sometimes. And the fact that we have paladins out there who are ready and willing to protect the flock is most important. So thank you out there. And thank you, Guy. Wow, that's awesome. I, I never thought of the paladin reference, but I love that, Javier. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. As far as what we do, um, we, of course, I've known you for 20 years and you are know pretty much a lot of the critical incidents that Javier and I have been in in our lives and many of them you were with me on patrol when we were in Coppers Cove. But um, we came to a point in our marriage and in our professions where we were struggling because of everything that we had seen and been through. And we reached out and got the help, not, not happily, but we were kind of forced into it because of the state of our lives and our marriage. And um, now we try and pay that forward. We got a lot of help. We got a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, we attended a lot of programs and now we try and pay that forward through that peer support couple. So what we do is offer uh, peer support, um, care, concern, support to people who've been involved in critical incidents. And we also teach uh, first responders how to take care of themselves. 
and also teach instructors courses on how other people can teach critical incident stress management. Exactly. And uh, as you know, uh, peer support is very important to us. Uh, that's basically the main part of our name is that peer support couple. And peer support com is just one component of what I call the trinity uh, uh, for the mental health aspect for our first responders, especially in law enforcement, because you have first you have the peer support. Then you also have your clinicians and then you also have your clergy. Uh, any good peer support unit is going to have all three. And that's the Trinity Absolutely. right there for the mental health for uh, first responders out there. It's very important. Anywhere now? I think we might have frozen. We're here. Oh, I got you. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So can you, can you say the Trinity one more time, Javier? Sure. Uh, when I speak about the Trinity, you have the Trinity in, peer, in the mental health for first responders. You have peer support, you have your clinicians, and then you have your 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 clergy. Uh, a lot of times it's the chaplaincy service and all three work together and it's very important. And uh, that Trinity is what is is very important for first responders. And in our case, the law enforcement community, because that's where we come from. That That's awesome. That's perfect. Kathy, do you have something to add? Yeah, uh, along with what we do, we also provide adv advocacy for first responders and which is what led us to want to appear on your show to advocate for resources that the church can offer the first responders in their communities. Because it, like Javier said, the chaplaincy is very important, but also providing a place of solace and calm and comfort to the first responders who are dealing with everything in their community through the churches is an important aspect of helping the mental health of the first responders. Yeah, that, that's so critical. And, you know, I, I'm glad, I'm glad, number one, I know you guys, and I, I'm glad you all do this because, uh, Kathy, you know, I, I didn't, when I, when I first had my first critical incident with you on shift leading, I didn't know anything about it. I was coming out of the military. You know, I, I, I was harder than woodpecker lips, right? So I didn't need peer support. What did I do? I had my collar ripped off by somebody. So I sewed it on that same day and then came back to work that night in that same uniform just to show people, hey, I'm tougher than these people that attack me. I, I'm going to get through this and I don't need I don't need to talk about my feelings. You and also wore it every Friday night for about <laughs> a year, I think. Well, let's just mention it was dry clean. So okay. <laughs> it, was, it was clean, but it was also torn and sewn back together. That's right. That's right. So, uh, but there's a stigma with it in the law enforcement community. There's a stigma with it. And I, I think that's slowly shifting just a little bit that um, we understand that we actually do have feelings and, you know, keeping them inside and eating them uh, is not going to be successful by and large for us. And so getting it out of ourselves and, and, and giving it to, giving that burden to someone else to share with us, uh, to carry that load is just so, so important to longevity. If you want to stay in this job for any length of time, you're going to need to do that. And so I really uh, thank you guys for what you're doing. It's, it's so vitally important. Guy, you brought up an important story when you talked about your first critical incident on our night shift. Um, of course, as a sergeant, as your sergeant and several of the officers on the shift, I, we had a lot of critical incidents. Um, just the the factor of being a very proactive shift. <laughs> but um, the tiniest little thing that you mentioned about your collar being torn and you sewing it back on and wearing it, that was important to you at that time and continue to be important to you. And of course, now through all the education, it's it's understanding that that was you showing what you had been through. 
that was right. your badge of honor was that torn collar and that it was affecting you at the time. That's just your way of showing it. That was your way of putting it out there. Sure. So you know, that up. yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, we, uh, the tough guys out there, we understand scars are cool, right? They tell a story and that's, that's just an example of a scar. I, I wore that scar with pride because mm -hmm. I, I came through that incident successfully. And so, you know, that, I guess that's probably a way that we can look towards our other officers and see if they are doing uh, some some out show like that where they're wearing scars on the outside and that may drive us to have conversations with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. So for the protectors out there, um, how do you start, right? How do you start an outreach ministry? I think that's what you all showed up here for. Uh, other than to see uh, my cool sweatshirt, I wanted to make sure you saw it from <laughs> uh, Dallas Jen Jenkins out there. If you're not watching The Chosen, I encourage you to go find it and watch The Chosen. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to be blessed by The Chosen. So I want to make sure uh, you get that into your life as well. So how do we start this ministry? Well, uh, number one is very simple. We are going to show the law enforcement community what we're going to do for them. It's not enough to just tell them, hey, uh, we really care about you. So we're going to show that we care them and we're going to demonstrate the appreciation that we do have for them. Um, and it will, I just tell you right now, the first time you do it, church protectors, when you try to appreciate a law enforcement officer, first responder, uh, it's going to make us nervous first and foremost, like what the heck is going on? What's the angle here? Uh, if you've ever seen that great training uh, video, Major Pain, what's your angle, boy? That's what we're going to think right away. But uh, after that, after the initial shock wears off that someone actually cares about us, then we're going to want to know what do you have for us? What can we do for you? And uh, how can we help you with your what you're trying to do for us? Uh, so after the surprise and the shock wear off, you can expect us to calm down just a little bit and get involved with whatever you're asking us to get involved with. Um, it will spur us to ask questions. And that's a good thing. The more you can explain about what your intention is, uh, the, the better it is for us, especially if you're approaching the administration or the leadership of your local police department. Um, they're going to want to know, you know, what is your mission statement? What do you hope to get out of this? What do you hope to gain out of this? And uh, that's part of the, one of the rules I'll cover here in a little bit is you have to have a mission statement for this. So that's our guiding plan. We write this down on paper. We know where we're going. It's a roadmap and it tells us what we expect out of this. And then it also shows the law enforcement or first responders uh, what they can expect for us. Uh, another way, an easy step to get in outreach is pastoral uh, leadership serving as a police chaplain. You know, the police chaplain putting on that police uniform or riding left seat, right seat in that police car opens up those lines of communication. So if I am unchurched or um, I've been churched before, but I'm not in church currently, that helps me. Uh, it's that barrier now. You have a badge on, you have a uniform sometimes that looks like mine, and, and we can joke on a crime scene. And maybe that opens up those lines of communication for us uh, to say that, hey, you know, church isn't a bad thing. Church can actually be a good thing. Uh, there aren't going to be little old ladies grabbing our ears anymore, uh, like we may remember from our childhood. So it does open up and serve to open up those uh, lines of communication. Another great way that we can show our law enforcement, our first responder community is having uh, different services that recognize them, uh, reaching out and saying, hey, could you have some officers come over? We really want to appreciate you guys on Memorial Day. That's a good one. Appreciate people on Memorial Day. Uh, Veterans Day, we want to appreciate the veterans that's coming up. So if you want to get into this, great holiday to get into that. Uh, a lot of the first responder community is prior service. Uh, even Javier got very close to service. Uh, he went into the Air Force, uh, very adjacent to mili military service. <laughs> um, and P Police Memorial Week, uh, 
you know, we're celebrating and, and honoring our fallen brothers and sisters. Uh, but that's a great time to recognize us and say, hey, you know, uh, pat on the back. We appreciate what you guys and gals are out here doing in our community. Um, so hosting those type of community events like that or something like uh, ministering to an overall family where I can bring my family in. You know, it's the toughest thing nowadays. I'll just tell you. Uh, I put out a picture on Facebook the other day and I had to really sneak out somewhere with my daughter in my uniform because I really uh, shy away from doing that anymore. Now, I have a pretty insulated community that I work within and, and it's pretty good. And so I don't mind doing those type of things. But in the bigger cities, if you're an officer, you're not going anywhere in uniform with your family. I'll just tell you that it's too much of a risk. So carnivals, Valentine's Days, those trunk or treats, anything that can bring the family together uh, at your church, a location like that. Uh, believe it or not, police like competitions, uh, shooting competitions. I know our church has a men's uh, shooting group, and we invite law enforcement over all the time to see if they can better us. Now, we do a lot of praying beforehand uh, and hoping that we, we win the competition, but a lot of times the law enforcement officers do kind of smoke us. Um, uh, things like free Christmas uh, dinner for the guys on shift, bringing that to the PD or having them come to your church, Thanksgiving, Easter dinners for on-duty personnel. And last but not least, another great way, if you have a space in your church where the first responder can get off their feet, they can get out of their patrol car, they can come into your church during off hours or during the hours of darkness, uh, midnight, that midnight shift can get out of their car and go in to your church. You give them a code to a door and they have snacks, uh, they have a TV, they have internet access, maybe even they have a computer there that's a police computer they can log into and write their reports. That's another great outreach you can have. You know, they're uh, they're inside your building now, and that's a that's a great place to put all your brochures, all the information about all the groups they can get into. Uh, so just think about those things, and uh, those will be shared uh, down below in the Facebook and on the YouTube uh, in the comments section. So make sure you uh, get those if you need those for your church. And all, obviously, you can always reach out to admin at protectorstoolkit.com. Admin at protectorstoolkit. Dot com and we will share all this information uh, to you. So please hit us up on that. Also, don't want to uh, miss. Go ahead, Javier. I, I think it's a great idea when uh, a church can offer a, a place of sanctuary for an officer to go to to get out of the patrol vehicle and be able to write a report or take a lunch break or anything like that. And if you want to speak in the tactical sense, uh, the more uh, police officers that you have that are visiting your facility, they're going to know the lay of your church. So if it ever happens, and of course we know we, we don't want it to, but we always have to be prepared. It's not the if, but when you're going to have a lot of officers that are going to know the lay of the land of your facility, and they're going to be able to react faster and access the church and the admin buildings a lot quicker and, uh, and tactically. And that's seconds and seconds mean life. So the more officers you have that are familiar with your facility, that are welcome to your facility, the better it is going to be for you for those patrol officers and then the tactical teams that may have to respond afterwards. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, anytime I've been afforded an opportunity like that, I've always, uh, after I lock the door that I came in, when I leave, I also check around the building and check all the other doors and windows too. So an added benefit. And now the, the other benefit is I, I kind of adopt the church, right? This is my church this is where I go to, to write my snack. And so this is my, the church around my whole, I'm going at least through the parking lot if I can't get out of my car. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, I mean, so we jumped into it. So from your perspective, 
Um, and you've kind of alluded to this just a little bit. Um, why is it so important for our law enforcement and first responders to have um, an outreach? Well, uh, you spoke about it earlier, the, the suicide rate among first responders, not just law enforcement, but fire, EMS, uh, corrections officers is and communications is astronomical. And uh, we, Guy, you and I lost a very good friend of ours uh, a year ago to suicide. Yeah. And of course, we never, we never want that to happen. And anything that we can do to prevent that, uh, any resource that we can come up with, we are out there trying to do that, trying to provide a resource, talking to people on the phones, taking crisis hotlines, teaching classes. Uh, we try and pay it forward uh, and all the help that we've gotten. Yeah, that's that's absolutely critical. You know, that's that, that's right. Uh, um, it it kind of just fades into the background anymore when we when we lose a fellow officer to suicide. <laughs> Uh, it, it's sad to say, you know, and, and those are kind of the, the hard funerals to go to uh, as well. So the more we can prevent this, churches, the more you can help prevent this. Uh, and I'm going to give you a technique or, or a mission at the end of this video as well uh, to help prevent some of this, um, th the better off we're going to be not only as a, as a society uh, and as a profession, but as a community as a, as a whole. And that's what, that's what churches are all about. Churches are about the community. They're not just uh, islands unto themselves. They should be ministering to everybody in their community um, and, and helping everybody in their community. So that, that's absolutely perfect. Chris, I see you out there from wonderful, wonderful, wonderful California. I hope mm -hmm. the weather is awesome out there. Uh, I can't wait to get back with you guys at your church. I'll be reaching out to you soon uh, to come out and train your church again. I, I love being out there with you guys right close to the beach like that. Um, so, Kathy or Javier, any other ways you can think of for churches to develop an outreach ministry? Well, we, we, we've talked about pro providing a place of calm, and I want to go back and reemphasize that because the churches have historically been known as a place of peace. And that's the way we want to keep them. And the way we keep them is to keep first responders involved in the community. And we keep them at the churches and provide them resources. And we also provide that place of peace for them so they can have the mental calm, even if it's only for a few minutes in visiting the church, they have a place of mental calm. We are all about meditation and mindfulness now and how to regroup when you've been through a crisis on shift in your at your work or how wherever your place of employment is, you just need that place to go to where you can have a moment to gather yourself, gather your thoughts and find some calm in, in an otherwise crazy world. And I think that's where the churches absolutely have a benefit to providing that for the first responders in their community. And I also like how you mentioned patrol cars, getting in a patrol car and riding in the passenger seat, because that is the officer's place of calm that patrol car is where they are in absolute control and they feel comfortable there and they're more likely to talk about whatever is bothering them while they're in that driver's seat and so that is also a good outreach and to get first responders to talk about what they've gone through is to do it while they're sitting in that patrol car right and i think what's really important and a great thing is if the, if the church finds out that the local department or the sheriff's office or whatever it may be has a peer support unit they could work with that peer support mm -hmm. unit and maybe allow that peer support unit to put on their trainings at the at church. Because a lot of churches are great auditoriums and with great uh, sound systems and technical uh, for PowerPoint presentations. And it's it's a good place to, to provide trainings 
uh, for officers to go to. And I think another great thing is if a peer support unit would need it, the church, one of the admin buildings, uh, if they have a large enough room, would be a great place to do critical incident stress management debriefings mm -hmm. after critical incidents. Because that was really, really important. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of times when there's a SISM de de debriefing, uh, for officers are still a bit leery if it's in at the police department or sheriff's office in, in, in one of the rooms because they may feel that I cannot let everything out because I'm still at my place of work. God's the, been there. Yeah, the church, the church offers a, a great opportunity for a neutral ground where people uh, going through critical incidents, first responders, officers, that they, they would hopefully feel a little bit more comfortable about opening up what's bothering them because they're at a neutral ground. It's not a police uh, or sheriff's office facility. It is a church. And I think that's a great way for the outreach to work at, at my department in Cedar Park, we had great relationships with our churches. Our lead chaplain was from Hill Country Bible Church, and he allowed us to have our Christmas awards banquet every year at their church uh, hall. And also we had several conferences at New Hope Baptist Church in Cedar Park where they were mental health conferences for first responders. And then we also incorporated chaplains into the program. So those are all great outreach services that different churches throughout the country have provided for our, our conferences and our presentations. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Victor, I see your question. What are some options uh, for departments that will not accept the offer of a safe space uh, due to liability? Um, Victor, I, I really think what is going to need to happen is maybe the pastor is going to have to go approach the police chief and figure out what the real objections are. Um, there should be no, I, I don't want to second guess or armchair quarterback something, but the liability side of it, I'm not too sure about that. Um, I, uh, as, a, as a law enforcement administrator here at my department, I don't see the liability necessarily, but I'm, I'm looking at it from the eyes of Texas. So I, I would encourage your pastor or your executive administrator, your executive pastor to reach out to police chief who is saying that his officers can't come over and hang out there due to liability, whatever that is, and kind of kind of feel out what those objections really are and then see if there's any way to navigate through those. But having community-wide events that uh, they honor them and, and respect them, I think those are always things that police, at least on duty, can roll through a parking lot and grab a, a sausage wrap or a, a hamburger or something like that and at least understand where you are and, and how much you care about them. So great question, Victor. Uh, I really appreciate that. Kathy, you and I had also talked about um, ICISF uh, the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. You work for them, you teach for them. And so we talked about uh, pastors getting some training in, in, in their church and for themselves and how to uh, not only develop the outreach, but also um, be a professional, be a licensed or certified professional in this um, critical incident stress uh, debriefing stuff. So talk to me a little bit more about that. Okay. Uh, what I do is I teach courses on assisting individuals in crisis, which is basically peer support and then group intervention in crisis through the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. They also have several chaplain programs and pastoral care trainings. Uh, you can go on the ICISF.org website and find any of these trainings, but I do the teachings through the Warriors Rest Foundation and we travel around the country and we teach first responders how to peer other first responders who have been involved in a critical incident. We also teach civilians how to peer other civilians 
pastors, uh, animal control workers. Uh, they have victim services assistants, a lot of different groups all respond to crisis in different ways. It's the same training and it can be done from first responders, pastors, and a lot of civilian employees. That's perfect. And, you know, for our group, for our warriors out there, they're always looking for that extra tool uh, mm -hmm. that they can put in their tool belt or in their toolbox. And that sounds like an awesome opportunity. So don't forget, Warriors, at the end of this, I'm going to make sure you have uh, Kathy and Javier's, that peer support couple's contact information so you can reach out to them and share this with your pastor, uh, share it with those people in your church if you're thinking about adding this tool to your tool belt or your toolbox. Um, and as always, so protectors, you know, I'm all about strategy here at Protectors Toolkit. I like to talk about strategy. So I'm going to give you four rules or four things that I think are vitally important when you're starting up your church outreach ministry. Um, number one is build an outreach identity. Number two is reach out to community. Number three is connect people to the church. And number four is equip members to reach out. Now, I said those kind of fast. I'm going to unpack those just a little bit for you out there. So building an outreach identity. This is where I talked about early on where you have to have that good mission statement. Uh, we have to identify what is our goal? What is our what does good look like for this that we're going to develop? Develop that good mission statement. This is our roadmap or what we expect to get out of this. And this is what you will share with those people that you are going to be ministering or outreaching uh, to. We uh, assess the outreach potential and the gifts of talents of the members you have within your group and what you bring to the table, what everybody brings to the table. What are your churches? Uh, physical resources that you have available. If you do have that spare room that the officer can get out of their patrol car and put their back against the wall, so to speak, and get some uh, really good snacks or some cold drinks and maybe watch a show for 30 minutes uh, or get some internet time, whatever that is, uh, just get out of the uh, out of the element, so to speak, and, and just off to themselves. Um, what existing programs and ministries do you have that may benefit the officers or the first responders family? and them themselves. So you'll want to know that you know, when you're trying to build your identity for your church outreach ministry. Um, what um, what partnerships do you have with other community organizations uh, that may benefit this outreach or may complement this outreach? And what is, um, you're going to have to update then what is your identity. So if you are going to have this outreach, you may want to put it on your social media that, hey, first responders, we love you, we care about you, and we have this new ministry that we're starting that we think is just for you. So that may be on your social media feeds, uh, that may be on your web pages. So think about that when you're making your identity, how you're going to broadcast and get that information out. And then what are the short-term and long-term bridges that we're going to build to our community? What are our short-term goals? What are our long-term goals? And again, building that good mission statement, all of these fall underneath that. How are we going to build the identity in ourselves to help those organizations that we're outreaching to understand what we're all about. This helps lessen the shock and the surprise that you're probably going to get initially. Uh, and it allows us to see that there is a clear path here that you do want to help us every step of the way. Number two is reach out to your community, that community that you're going to be ministering to or outreaching to. Uh, you've got to let them know who you are and what you're all about. Uh, we're going to determine what is the strategy for that. How are we going to get the word out about that? Are we going to have a couple cookouts uh, where the you know the on-duty guys can roll through, the families can roll through that are law enforcement officers or first responders? Are we going to have a first responder appreciation day at our church to get the word out that hey, we have a new outreach ministry for you all, and here's all the benefits? Um, are you going to send your executive administrator or your pastors to the briefings? of the local police departments? Are they going to show up at the briefing and say, hey, you know, we're church uh, X, Y, and Z, and we 
uh, have a new outreach ministry for you all. We recognize that there is crisis that you all deal with every day. And here's what our outreach ministry is all about. So figuring out how you're going to reach out to your community and sort of, uh, as they say, get the word out is number two. Number three, uh, how are we going to then connect the first responders to our church? How are, they, how are we going to bring them to us? Um, this is often overlooked sometimes uh, in, a, in a successful outreach, and it's so very important. Um, you've, you've worked really hard at, at letting people know that you have a mission statement and you're changing your, and here's your new identity. Um, you you want to let them know what groups you have available to them and what they may excel in and also what their families may excel and what they can expect from you or what you have within the resources within the church. Um, beyond telling them we are going to show them uh, what our ministry is all about. So are we going to have signage, resource materials, all the helpful information that they need? So if you do have that good break room that you set up with them, so are you going to be able to give that to them so they know what is actually at the church? Maybe in that break room, you have a looping video about what church, what your church is actually like, what they can expect when they're on the campus and, and how your church operate, something like that. So uh, connecting the first responder to the church, what makes them uh, want to come to church after the out. So really part of the great commission, right, that we're told to do is bringing them then into church. So how do we connect them, not only through the break room and the nice snacks and the cold drinks, how do we go beyond that? How do we get them more than two feet inside our building? So you're going to want to figure out that connecting the first responders to your church. And last but not least, rule number four or item number four, um, we have to equip our members within our church to do the, re do the outreach, right? So um, this is going to maybe I'm out shopping and I see a police officer and now I have a connect card that says, hey, you know what? We have a new outreach at our church. Here's the dates and times or here's the events that we have or here's who you need to contact to get more information about that. I care about you. I love you, brother or sister, and I want to be able to help you in any way that you need it through this outreach ministry. Whatever that looks like, connect those connect cards, just being able to have your membership of your church uh, grow this ministry for you. Now, I will just tell you, if you're doing these things, if you've developed the outreach program and it is successful, you will be putting more butts in your seats on a Sunday. It's not just because you have, reached, uh, have an outreach to the law enforcement. It's because you are a more welcoming church. You have a mission that is outreaching to a, a segment of the community that really needs it. And don't we want more butts in seats? That's really kind of uh, what we are all about. So, there you have it. And those, uh, those again will be put down in the comments for you. I know I do talk a little bit fast. I grew up on the East Coast. I am in the United States of Texas now. So you'd think I talk a little bit slower, but um, in the interest of time and respecting you all out here, I wanted to make sure I got that out pretty quickly for you. And again, reach out admin at protectorstoolkit.com, admin at protectorstoolkit.com for any questions about any of this. So um, one last thing, one last uh, something to go do, something uh, that I think would be beneficial for you and your church. Um, and it is something that Kathy and Javier have developed, and it's called Just One Contact. Just One Contact was born out of this idea here that um, guys like me, when I was in a critical incident, I didn't talk about it. It wasn't a big deal to me, or so I thought. Uh, please don't mention my cat, Kathy. Um, it was uh, it was something I just dealt with because I, that's how I was raised. I remember, I came out of the Army right into law enforcement. Uh, I was raised in that uh, mentality of men don't cry, that kind of thing. So I didn't cry. I didn't boohoo about it. And I didn't really dwell on it. But the fact of the matter is, if someone from my shift, and they did, 
uh, reached out to me and said, hey, are you doing okay? That meant all the world to me. That meant everything in the world to me that they cared to stop whatever they were doing in their day to reach out to me. The strong ones, the weak ones, the, the people you think don't need it, the people you think do need it. If, it if, if you can just pick up your phone once a day and call someone that is in your sphere of influence, maybe you haven't talked to them in a while, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a first responder, um, call one contact in your life and say, hey, I'm thinking about you, I care about you, and if you need anything, I'm here. We don't know who what they're dealing with on the other end of that phone. That may make the world of difference to someone out there. So if you are a first responder watching this or you are a protector at your church, ensuring comfort, refuge, worship, and learning at your church, and they have a safe and secure worship environment to do all that in, pick up that phone, just one contact every single day. I challenge you with that. And I want you to feed back to Protectors Toolkit, whether it's our Facebook, our YouTube, or wherever you can find us, feed back to us how that's working for you. Find us on all of our social media. So Kathy, Javier, I'll, I'll turn uh, the end of this over to you. Please tell us how we can get more information about you, how we can find you, how we can seek you out, how everybody that's a warrior here at Protectors Toolkit can get more information from you all. I'm going to let Javier get a, give our information in just a minute. But the last thing that I would like to say in closing is just that, and I can say this as a retired law enforcement officer, I've been retired almost two years now. And I can't say ever in my career that things were as tough as they are right now for first responders. And I think it, it, I, it's very important for the church to do these, these reach outs. Um, they never needed it more, uh, in my opinion, than they do right now. They need all the love and support that they can get. Exactly. And just like you've mentioned many times in different contexts about clearing a path, that's what's very important. We need to clear that path right now for our law enforcement brothers and sisters out there and let them know that there's a great organizations and with these churches that are out there ready to serve them as they are serving the church as well. Uh, you can get a hold of us through our website. It's uh, www.kathyandhobby.com which is displayed there. And when you go to our website, it talks, it has a little bit more information about Kathy and I and what we've done uh, in our lives and the critical incidents that we've endured. You have a, there's a, a nice picture section and we have links to all our social media. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, and we also have a YouTube page that we're uh, building and we hope to build uh, with more content in the future. And of course we have our, our Gmail, Kathy and Javi at gmail.com which is uh, similar uh, in the writing to our, uh, our website, reach out and contact to, with us. We get uh, emails, we get uh, direct messages through our social media all the time. If you're a first responder and especially in law enforcement and you need to talk to a peer, it's confidential and we're here for you. And we also uh, encourage people to reach out to 1-800 numbers. Uh, one uh, important phone number is 1-800-COP-LINE, 1-800-COP-LINE, C-O-P-L-I-N-E. And they have specially trained retired officers that have gone through extensive peer training to be call takers, and that's available uh, 24-7-365. And it's confidential and anonymous. Right, and then another phone number that we wanna pass on would be uh, the suicide hotline at 800-273-8255. And it's very important for us as that personal couple that suicide is a touchy topic at times. And our friends at Survivors of Blue Suicide are working very hard to honor the families and the officers that unfortunately don't find uh, a way out and they die by suicide. Well, it's all about prevention too. And if we can help prevent uh, law enforcement suicides, that'd be a great thing. So 
do we have resources for y'all and we can help anybody if but the one thing like we we say and like guy was saying it's all about just one contact hashtag just one contact it's really important because you have to be able to check on each other and if you're the one that's suffering there's no shame to reach out to us as peer support no shame to reach out to a clinician no shame to reach out to your church to the chaplains no shame at all because that's why we're here our mission is to help help each other and we don't want anyone to forget the fact that you are not alone. It may not be a great day. It's okay to not be okay, but please do not suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of resources out there for you. Take advantage of them if you need them because there are people out there that are so ready to help everybody out there, including the church. And we do it to honor our friend. Our, our friends who have died in the line of duty and also our friends who didn't feel like they could reach out uh, who did die by suicide. That's that's who we work for. We do it to honor them. And if anybody is interested in training the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation training, you can contact me at cbustos at warriorsrestfoundation.org. And that's it. There's awesome. about 100 ways to contact us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, would, it would be a shame if you didn't reach out to Kathy and Javi. Uh, again, two people that are a blessing in my life. And I would just tell you, Warriors, uh, one of the most powerful tools we have here at Protectors Toolkit is the power of prayer. And uh, Kathy and Javi didn't know this, but uh, I'm just not, I'm not going to say it. But if you would tonight, Warriors, before you go to sleep, please put a girl named Amanda uh, in your prayers. And that's all I'll say about that. So uh, to close out here, just to tell you the, the rest of the thing about Protectors Toolkit, if you are new, please hit that like button. If you're on the YouTubes, hit that subscribe button, that bell right there. Make sure you ring that bell so you're subscribed to Protectors Toolkit. You'll get all the notifications and updates when we upload our videos. So you want to make sure you get that. If you haven't gone to the membership site, what are you waiting for? What has taken you so long? Here, here's what I'll do for you. Code Warrior Wednesday, code Warrior Wednesday, Warrior Wednesday, all one word at the membership site. That'll get you in for $10 this month, this month only. Go to the membership site. It's everything you need to develop your safety security team. Don't forget to check out our podcast, A Word and a Weapon. You're going to be blessed by that. First, I give you a word, something that's impacted me that day or that week from the Bible, and I explain it to you, and then I give you a weapon, a tool, or something you can put on your tool belt or in your toolbox to take with you in your day-to-day -day walk as a Christian. And warriors, like I always tell you, keep them safe.